What's up, guys? Welcome to the Strength Connection. I'm your host, Michael Kurkowski. I'm here to connect you with the top minds in the world of strength to share stories, insights, and experiences to help you become stronger every day. So today, I have the privilege of connecting with Carrie Campbell, co-creator of Eliminate Your Limits and WBFF Pro Athlete on the podcast. I've been a huge fan of Carrie's for a long time. It was incredible to connect with her. I first learned about Carrie from her husband, Brian Grasso, who I've connected with numerous times on the podcast, and I've been a consumer of their content for a decade in both mindset and personal development. So after speaking with Brian the last time on the podcast and diving deep into the Eliminate Your Limits program, I was pumped to connect with Carrie and get her experiences in both the personal development world from her being a clinical counselor, as well as her experience in fitness and aiming at the world championship in the WBFF in August. So this was one of those conversations that flew by in two seconds. Carrie dropped some incredible information on what personal development really is and also how you can apply specific practices to your everyday life to build strength both internally and externally. So please uh, check out Carrie on Facebook at Eliminate Your Limits, and also you can find her on Instagram at Carrie Campbell, WBFF Pro. So lastly, if you guys are enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to subscribe so you can catch all new episodes every week. And if you do me a favor, leave an awesome review. It does so much in helping spread the message of strength, and I greatly appreciate your support. You guys are awesome. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll catch you on the inside. And we are back, Carrie. Thank you so much for the time. It's, it's so nice to meet you. I've been a fan of yours for so long. It's always so weird for me to still hear this. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. I know it took us a while to get this date locked down with the craziness before the holidays, but um, I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you taking the time. And as I said, I've, I've spoken with your other half a couple different times, Brian, and just following the work that you two have done over the years with really combining the fitness world with the mindset world and kind of that whole, you know, yeah. kind of just, you know, spectrum right there is just a blast. So I'm excited to really see where this conversation goes. Me too. You never know. You never know where it's going to go, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well. Yeah. So, well, anybody who has just blasted right through the intro, I'll just do a little one real quick. So I'm with Carrie Campbell here. She is uh, the clinical counselor and a mindset expert. She's also a WBFF pro uh, in the fitness world, and she's built the program with spouse and grasso eliminate your limits and i said all the way back into the free thinking renegades time so you guys have made so many awesome transitions and uh, evolutions and um yeah so we're gonna get we're gonna get into the weeds here of goal setting of mindset of fitness all that good stuff the perfect time of year for that as well so it's great yeah. Yeah. so to kick it off Kara, i would just i'd love to know a little bit more about you first kind of your origin story of how you got into this world obviously we don't just naturally get to the success of where you've been in fitness, in the mindset world. So what was it about this space that really inspired you from early on that wanted you to make a career out of it? When you say this space, do you mean mindset or fitness or both? Oh, that's a good question. I guess like, a little bit. <laughs> that's kind of inter it's kind of intertwined. I mean, how about I just start talking? And that's then great. Yeah. What, what, did, what inspired you first? Was it more of the, the mindset side or more of the fitness side? Well, you know, I mean, so, you know, it's always, I always find it so interesting um, when, when people tell their origin story, right? Because it's like, I don't know, I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but it almost seems like nowadays everybody's story has to be tragic. Right, and it's got to be like how much more tragic can the story be? Yep, with the epi with the epiphany moment of exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, to be honest with you, the, the the start of mine is not tragic at all. Um, it, there's nothing, um, 
you know, that is sad about the reason I got into what I do as a clinical counselor and, and now in mindset, um, it really just goes, it, I think that primarily it speaks to the heartbeat of who I am and my personality. And, you know, when I was a little girl, I mean, I can go back as young as four years old when people would ask me like, what do you want to be when you want, when you grow up? And my answer would always be like, I want to help people. Like that was just my, my answer, my go-to, like I grew up knowing that my my calling was to serve um, from a very, very young age. And then when I was um, in the in the tail end of my my high school years, I had, you know, I was in that kind of phase that a lot of teenagers go through of like, I kind of want to do this. I don't know really what I want to do. But I ended up finding just the the perfect, um, you know, post-secondary studies in, in, a, in an area of clinical counseling that actually provided me with the opportunity to work in a variety of different areas. So it wasn't like a singular focus of just working with kids or just working with adults or just this. It was a broad scope of being able to, basically I would graduate with the opportunity to work with people with physical disabilities, intellectual disabilities, uh, teenagers with you know psychosocial issues, geriatrics. Like it just gave me the ability to, to touch a lot of different areas. Um, and so it was just tailor-made for me. And, and that was my, my post-secondary um, schooling that I, that I studied as a counselor. So it, that part's really been in me for forever. I've been a clinical counselor since, I oh mean, God, almost over two decades now, which really feels weird to say, because I still feel like I'm 20, but over two decades now. Um, and, and, and kind of along the way there, because I know we're going to kind of nuance the conversation about mindset and fitness, um, but I've had an interest cause I am a physique athlete. I am, um, I'm a pro with the WBFF mm -hmm. Federation. Um, I also placed third in the world with them this year at world. So that's an exciting, um, you know, exciting win as well, but I've always been into physique athletics, um, for as long as I can remember when I was 16 years old, um, I owned every single copy of oxygen muscle and yep. fitness furs, like every single one of them. So that was very much a part of who I was. I've always been an athlete, um, mm -hmm. an elite level athlete. So, um, that was very much a love of mine in the same area of time. So they've kind of, it's interesting because my, my career and my athletics have kind of grown up together. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, so like, that's kind of how I got started in all of it. And I'm just going to keep going. You just cut me. I can talk. So just, I'm going to play ignorant for a sec. Cause when we yeah. say clinical counseling, you know, with that term clinical, what is, what does that exactly mean? Like, the you know, I, I think that it, so it really, it really looks at like, <laughs> it's hard to, de to define that based on the territory because I'm from Canada and Canada is different than the States. So mm -hmm. basically the way I look at it, it's more therapeutic than it is just like guidance counseling. Gotcha. There, there is a therapeutic approach to it. So mm -hmm. it, it's more like dealing with people with mental health and emotional issues and, you know, different variety of those kinds of disorders. So much more in depth on that level. Gotcha. Okay. So then getting into the athletics. So, I mean, you said you were a physique athlete pretty much since 16 years old. So this was always a world that you were really interested in for a long yeah, time. I mean, it's, it's interesting, you know, it's interesting because it kind of came and went. So, so I, you know, I kind of made the joke at the beginning that I didn't have the tragic story and I did it at that time in my life, but I had the in-between story, right? So I had found this, this path of mine as a, as a counselor. Um, I actually got trained uh, certified as a personal trainer as well along the way. And I was an, I was an, an athlete in the physique world. Um, but in my twenties, I would say that was, I would, I mean, I was in just an absolutely toxic relationship. 
um, you know, and it was, it was an abusive relationship that I was in. And that's kind of when my, my journey took a nosedive. Right. And I started to lose myself. Right. So I did have my, my moment, my epiphany moment, my aha moment, but like every part, I I basically lost every part of myself in my twenties. So I stopped going to the gym. I stopped training. Um, my, there was a lot of jealousy in my, in my past relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm always careful how I talk about this. Cause I never want to do disrespect to my, my ex-husband, but yep. there was a lot of jealousy. There was a lot of, of challenges. So I abandoned a lot of myself during mm-hmm. those years. Um, and it wasn't until I was like 28, 29, when I, when I did get divorced, finally, that I started to find myself again. So I, you know, during my twenties is the time frame when I went to the depths of darkness, the, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that bottomless pit of like, how do I get out of this? And when I left my, my ex is when I I basically started the journey of reinventing myself and, and finding myself again. And, And that's when I started stepping back into, into the athletics. And for a period of time, I, I competed 10 years ago. I retired 10 years ago from competing um, and then tried everything under the sun in between that and the next four years before I found myself back into the athletics physique okay. training. It's my, it's my thing. It's just what I love doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of abandoned it, came back, came, you know, did that whole song and dance. Um, and along that way is when I met my, my current husband, Brian, who mm-hmm. you obviously know really well. And, you know, we, you know, obviously with my background as a counselor and his background, then as a, as a performance coach, mm-hmm. we, we just saw this like huge void in the personal development industry. And, and everybody who's listening to this right now is going to relate. I know. Cause I've been at this for like, you know, 20 years, right. you know, everybody reads the self-help book, reads, watches the, the video goes to the, the talks and the conferences. And yet nobody was actually, nobody really affects the sustainable change that they want, mm-hmm. you know? And so it makes sense when you're reading it, but what do you, there, there was this huge gap between people having awareness and actually changing. And so right. we went to town basically looking to fill that gap. And that's from, that's where our eliminate your limits mindset system was born, which mm-hmm. has been, you know, derivatives of it from since FTR nation yeah. all the way up to now, but it's been the last five years now that it's been, that is our, our foundation um, of what we do and what we teach in this world and gotcha. it's everything in my world as well. So if I could ask you a bit about this time, you said about like 29, that's when you were kind of found that time of finding yourself again. And obviously you got back to the athletics piece, but was that the first thing that kind of started to drift back into your world? Or what was, if I could ask you a little bit about your process of like kind of finding yourself again? Cause I think so many people are probably listening who have been either in that space before or yeah. going through it right yeah. now. And especially even in the time we're in around the new year which is always a heightened sense where everybody's thinking a little bit more about their personal development than- Yeah, more. you know, I can, so as a coach um, I'm very much um, into the practical approach of things. Cause I like mm-hmm. giving people concrete as opposed to just concept. Yes. Uh, it's just kind of, of who I am. So, you know, it, let me give you what I would actually, it, it's part of our system, but it actually, I can explain how I used it in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have something inside of our system called the four A's of mindset. Um, and that's um, acceptance, awareness, accountability, and adaptation. And in order to create any amount of change in your in yourself and personal life, you need to have all four of those aspects in place. Um, and for example, a lot of people have awareness, right? A lot of people know that they're self-sabotaging, 
but don't really know what to do about it or aren't taking accountability for it, right? So the, the four pieces of the puzzle are super important. So, um, the, so I went through those um, when I was 28, before we'd even created this process, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but looking back in retrospect, I was like, oh, that's what I did. Right. Um, so the first thing that I had to do was I really had to accept that my current reality wasn't absolute. It didn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. That there, there was an there, there was a possibility of creating change. That there, you know, one of the things that we live by is that the story you tell is the truth you know. And, you know, so whatever I'm telling, whatever I was telling myself about my reality, I had to really appreciate that it didn't have to be that way. And that's when I started, because, you know, social influence is like, you know, you're married with two kids, you can't leave. What about the kids? What about this? All that stuff kind of came my way. So I really, that's all awareness, right? Like we're so aware of all that stuff. Yeah, 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 totally. So I accepted that my reality didn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I became aware of what parts of me were really um, challenging and really limiting me, you know? And, and I, if I were to really summarize um, what would the, my greatest awareness was, was that like, I had just completely stopped being my authentic self, completely and wholly. Like I had lost every, I had changed every part of my persona to adapt to the relationship that I was in, in order to avoid issues. So I had just become a version of myself that was just not who I am. So that awareness, um, that, that big awareness of like, I am just not living my authentic self was, and I even remember it there. I remember I go back to like one of the nights that I, you know, after I had just gotten divorced and I remember sitting there and I was just like, I promised myself that I was never not going to be me ever again. That was like my big moment. You know, I'm like, I'm living authentically. And, and then the next, the next piece of that is accountability, right? Like it's one thing to have that awareness, but then you got to actually take accountability and action and create change. So I asked myself, like, what parts of me did I want to regain? And I started putting that into action. So the, that would be where the adaptation comes in. So some of the things that I did, for example, was like, I had completely abandoned all sports, all social groups, all everything. So I, found myself like a, you know, like a house league soccer, because I, I used to be a soccer player, a house league soccer team. And I, I actively started to go out and pursue social contact and my, my athletics again. I just re-immersed myself in the pieces of who I had lost to start building again and recreating again. But I, I really went through those four phases, um, you know, not necessarily with a notebook in my hand. It was right. an, an awareness process. Yeah. I think it's interesting because it is, it's a, it's a great process to do, but at the same time, when we go into those things, it's not something that you need to solve immediately, right? Right away. Like we think like, like you said, like you went into house league soccer, I'm sure you did some other things too. And then found the physique world again down the line. Yeah, I did. I I found the physique world. I didn't actually get back into physique training until Brian and I got together. That's when I kind of got back into it. Um, You know, the first year we were together, I stepped back on stage. Okay. It's, it's, it's amazing what happens when you have a supportive um, social circle. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Well, it's, and, you know, kind of even going into that term personal development, it's kind of, it's a weird word, word like word, because there's so many books out there. There's so many things that are theories and concepts, right? And yeah. the positive affirmations. And, so, and if you say affirmations every day, more, you know, more power to you and stuff. But right. 
it's the accountability. I think that th that last piece of just starting to yeah. just try things out. That seems well, like it's the know, thing that gets missed. I, I, I'll only get on this soapbox for a few seconds. <laughs> <laughs> this is you because you kind of hit on my one of my soapboxes there. Um, you know, I, I think that I think that what's happening in the personal development industry right now is the same thing that we've seen happen in the fitness industry over the last like 15, 20 years, where it is so saturated with like so much bullshit. Like I, I'm just gonna say it. Like it, you know, the fitness industry, like over the last 15 to 20 years, everybody became an online coach. Everybody became a personal trainer. Every, like there was just a boom, which is great. Like, don't get me wrong. But what happens is when, when you have that big boom like that, things start to get, you know, um, washed over, glanced over. Like there, things are not as like, I mean, it's just, I think it's when I, when I, when I think about being a regular consumer in the fitness industry, if that was me, I wouldn't even know which way to look. Where to go. Know, yeah. so much, right? But that's happened in the personal development industry in the last 10 years as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I, like, I'm just going to say it. Like, I cringe when I see on Facebook a life coaching certification for $9.99 for six-hour training. And that somehow qualifies you to be a life coach. And, and like, I don't, I never look down on people who are trying to learn for themselves. Mm -hmm. But what we have got to understand about personal development is that it's more than just stringing a few words together and that's going to make it all better. There is, there is a psychology, there is a science, there's neurology, there's spirituality. There's so much entangled in what it means to personally develop and help someone grow through that, that we can't wash over it. And like every, like everybody right now is a mindset coach, like everybody everywhere. And I'm like, and the thing that I cannot stand is that what people don't realize is they're causing more damage than they are good. You know, they're trying and I, I want to give them credit for that, but it's mindset coaching, personal development. It's become the next fast way to get rich on Facebook. Yeah. You know? I think in, in some ways it's because a lot of times you can just say you're a mindset coach or you're a life coach or personal development coach, and you actually don't need to define what the fuck that means. Yeah. <laughs> like, because, you, oh, I'm a mindset coach. So uh, what I'm having you think, it's like, well, what does that actually mean? It's like, no, there's a, a therapy about it. And I'd love to get your thoughts on this because this is something I saw earlier this week that someone posted. I, I forget who um, originated the quote, but about lifting is the greatest therapy that I found or mm -hmm. something like that. And I kind of know the direction that they were going, but at the same time, I'm like, I feel like that's an incredibly dangerous message to put out there as well, because yeah, we're thinking like, and especially now where, you know, people are probably more engaged in their health, more engaged in their fitness. Yeah. They want to lose weight or build muscle and stuff. But at the same time, like, no, fitness is not therapy. Like yeah. therapy is therapy. And it I think you could speak to that a lot. Yeah. It may be therapeutic, but it's not necessarily therapy. You know, I, I think, um, you know, there's this, um, there's this really good quote and I'm going to get it wrong. Um, Brian's the quote master, not me, but it, for a lack of better words, um, the, the quote basically says that like, you know, until you, until you go within and really understand yourself, you will forever call whatever happens to you fate. And, and like the whole point, and I totally got that wrong. Yeah. I know I got that totally wrong, but the whole point being is that the, you have to go into your unconscious 
It's Carl Young. It, I, he's like, I would be like, Brian, if he was sitting here, would cringe right now. I can't believe you've had <laughs> Oh, wait, I know it. I know. Until you make the unconscious conscious, you will forever, you basically forever call it fate, right? Like, yes. you okay. Yep. your drivers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, the, for me, the thing is, is that like, one of the things that Brian and I often say is that like, like, you know, lifting is the greatest therapy for me, but that's part of the story. Mm-hmm. Right. But what? Right. There, there's there's it's like there, people aren't finishing the sentence. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say finishing the sentence, I actually mean finishing the sentence in their life. Right. Not necessarily the sentence out loud, because there's so much more to the story. You you know, in our in our system, we have um, we have four pillars of mindset. And they're all part of our journaling process. And I'm sure Brian probably talked about it when he was on with you, but yeah, I'd um, love you to bring them back in though. To, yeah. Uh, to so our four about. pillars of mindset, um, learning your language, reviewing your direction, imagining your outcome and um, counting your wins are our four pillars of mindset. Now, these are not chosen by happenstance. They're not just fun things that we decided to make our journaling process. They are, they are very purposely selected to unlayer the unconscious narrative and recreate a new one that serves you. So in the act of learning your language, the whole point of that is to, from a, like, if you take it like on a therapeutic perspective, it's to, to identify what is the underlying language that is keeping you stuck, that is holding you back, right? That is, is, is keeping you where you're at. And then the other four, other three pillars are strategically designed to recreate a new narrative, right? So take the unconscious, bring it up to the conscious level. While it's at the conscious level, we rewire it and recreate a new story. And then it implants into our unconscious so that we have, essentially, we go from a non-serving unconscious to a serving unconscious mind. Now, that takes years of work. You can fast track it by being more consistent, but it takes years of work to unlayer your unconscious narratives that are not serving you because you you don't even have to have anything bad have happened to you in life. Growing up in a country, whether it's Japan or whether it's North America or whether it's, you know, Australia, Mm -hmm. there's all different, there's different influences in all those areas. Right. So like, for example, growing up in North America, a lot of people have scarcity stories around money and money mindset. And that is definitely partially infused because of the culture that we live in, right? So right. nothing has to have happened to you negative for you to be walking around with a negative non-serving story and money. So, you know, you, you got to be able to, to really understand yourself. And, you know, one of, my, one of my experiences is always like whenever I meet people who are like, oh, man, like, you know, I got my shit together, you know, like I'm, I'm, oh, I'm positive, mm-hmm. like, you know, the positive people are like, you know, they're the worst. Don't get me right. <laughs> those uber positive patties. Like, and like, I always say, like, if give me five minutes to kind of like poke the bear and see what happens, mm-hmm. usually within five minutes, the person in front of me is crying. And I'm right. not, my point in that is not to sit there and like cause them to disintegrate in front of me, but I've been at this for 20 years, right. 10 years completely immersed. And I'm going to sit here and tell you like, I've still got stuff that I got to work on and grow on because we're human beings. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I hate these, like these one hit wonders of like, you know, the gym is my best therapy, that this is my, mm-hmm. that, you know, like it's, and it's just sending a, a message. See, this is the problem where that it bugs me about the mindset industry is that like one person's gym is their mm-hmm. therapy. They put that out there that other people try to do that and replicate it. And when they don't get results that are like, 
oh, my world has changed forever. Now they're feeling like a greater failure. And that's only reinforcing even further the negative story, right? So we, we got to get into our own minds and understand our own minds before anything else. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I was listening to something yesterday on a walk. I believe it was from Peter Crone. Um, and he was talking about the word commitment, you know, and like, that's the big word and it's a great word, but it said the first commitment that should be discovery. It's discovering yourself because anything, if we go into, whether it's my program or your program or something like you're going into it with some faith and maybe a reference point that somebody else, you know, did very well with it. But at the same time, it, you're not going to get the same results. You've been through different experiences. You've been through a whole different life in there. So, but making the commitment to discovering what's best for you, oh, yeah. then you're going to be able to go with the time when things are going really well or things are going really shitty. And yeah, hundred percent. You know, it's, it's funny because that reminds me of, um, something today, somebody asked me on Instagram today, like if I follow macros and what my, what my current macros are, mm -hmm. um, and for people listening who don't know what macros are, like the macronutrients, protein, carbohydrates, yep. fats, because somebody always inevitably asks yep. me that question. And, you know, my, my comment back was basically simply, yes, I do follow macros, but I never share them. I never, I never, ever, 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 ever on social media have I ever said, these are my macros that I'm right. currently following because the danger in doing that is somebody who's less informed is going to take my macros and try to replicate them and expect the same results. And that's not commitment. And that's not discovery. That's trying to fast track it. Yes. Right? And it's the same thing. Like I, I just had, um, I just actually, so I just had a client yesterday who I've been working with for four years. So even though I know this person inside out, they're in a different situation that they've never been in before. And they messaged me yesterday because they needed help with something in a very crisis state. Mm -hmm. And I spent 25 minutes just collecting information off of this person mm -hmm. before I even said what they should do. And, and I think we're so quick to dispense and we're so slow mm -hmm. to take the time to say like, it's okay, I can gather the information about myself, about my mm -hmm. clients, whatever the case may be. But, you know, I, I, I often say that like the greatest book you'll ever read is the book of self. And, you know, like you, you really, oh, need to, I love like, that. You, you need to like, you know, I, I'm one of those people who's like, when everybody's like, oh, I read like 150 books this year. And I'm like, great. How much did you apply of that? Like, I have nothing against <laughs> reading. I love reading, but I would rather spend an hour sitting in my own journal writing and reading and learning about myself than picking up another book and picking up more information that's just going to confuse me. So like, I, I think people need to be more responsible to themselves on that level. It, that's, that is interesting. It's a, uh, that was something I struggled with for a while. Like a couple of years ago, I was just like devouring books. When we first went into this whole pandemic, I was like, flying yeah. through them a week at a time but then you go back and you're like what the heck did I actually just read maybe you picked up like a line or something yeah. like that yeah so then like last year I'm like okay I'm gonna go back and start rereading some mm -hmm. books that I felt made a big impact and that's even a bigger thing you know to do yeah. if you because it is it's like it's a good thing but it can also be an escapism like if you oh, think okay. oh like um like I'm just gonna read this book and it's gonna be phenomenal and you know, to, to quest, ask a question to you, Carrie, on this, because you've been in this space for now a couple decades, like, so before, like so much of the social media world and stuff like that, that is now you've seen this world before then, has it changed so much in the mindset world, like recently that you found, like, has it been, is it much different now working with somebody on mindset and personal development that it was when you first started? 
Um, you know, I, I want to say that I think probably what has, what has changed is that there's like, there's so much easy, quick access to so much inaccurate information. Oh, <laughs> right? yes. So like, there's, it's just so like, so like, for example, like, you know, whatever, 15 years ago, I don't know how long Facebook has been around, but like, even when Facebook first started, it wasn't what it is now, right? That you're scrolling and every second scroll, you're reading a new post on a new meme about a new quote about how you have to do something differently, right? So I think that there's 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 an easier access to more influences that are gonna potentially negatively impact you than there was before, right? So it's more diverse, mm -hmm. right? Whereas in the past you would have gotten it, like it was still available to you, like through friends, family, social gatherings, the newspaper, magazines, but now it's just more, it's, it's more quick, it's quick access, right? right? So I think people are getting fed that many more bits of information that much more quickly. And so they're, I think they're probably more lost and yet I think they're probably more lost and more um, misinformed, but also more craving than they've ever been. Right. I, I think that there's kind of like, I'm not one of those people who like thinks social media is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I think that it, if you use it properly, it allows you to catalyze yourself into change, mm -hmm. but it really comes back to like, this is where, you know, one of the things that I always say, like on our radio show, we have a radio show on Sirius XM. Mm -hmm. And I'm always saying this on the show, like it all comes back to personal responsibility, <laughs> like all of it, you know, I can be on social media and have, I, I don't have a, a very comparative mindset. So I can be on social media and like, I can look at, you know, all the world champions on my, on my fitness feed and all that stuff. And it doesn't do anything but inspire me. Right. Like I get inspired by it. And so, you know, kind of like going back into that topic for one second, because you know, we're talking about the reading the books, watching the videos, yep. um, all this stuff. One of the things, like I've actually put clients on sabbaticals, like reading sabbaticals. I'm like, you're not allowed to read for another month. <laughs> no more podcasts. <laughs> what ends up happening, you don't need any more information. Yeah. Well, but and you see, this is this is actually where I deciphered it down. Um, mm -hmm. I think it was last year. I, I did a little video on this, but you got to know what you're looking for. Are you looking for inspiration? Or are you looking for information? Because those are two totally different things. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going, like I, um, you know, whenever I'm shifting out of my growing seasons into my cutting seasons, I tend mm -hmm. to go on this like podcast kick, listening to the podcasts of the current world champions. Okay. Um, and I'll listen to them on repeat. I'll actually listen to the same podcast over and over and mm -hmm. over and over again, but I'm not looking for information. I'm not looking to see what she does or what she, I have a coach. I don't need anybody to take, tell me what right. to do. I'm not looking for information or how to do something better. I'm there for inspiration. And that's what I use social media for. That's what I use. Like, you know, if I'm, I, I know the difference when I'm watching a video, reading a book, doing something, mm -hmm. what I'm looking for. And when you're going into something with that awareness of what's the driver behind my behavior, you can monitor your reactions better. And I don't think people ever consider that, you know, you can read a book and not actually have to apply any of the information. That's yeah. okay, you know, but mm. people get stressed out. Like I'm sure you see, you see it like people program hop, they mm -hmm. plan hop, they career hop because the next best thing came along and all because I don't think they necessarily always know their drivers for why they're doing things. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I think 
Yeah, I wonder if it's just a lot of people are trying to find both at the same time, you know, if they're trying to find inspiration and information at the same time, and then because they don't know what you so it really essentially comes back to, like, what are you looking for? Like, what are you trying, which I'm guessing that's probably in that first learn your language, like understanding that piece. first. Yeah, you know, I I actually think that um, I I think that that's probably one of the greatest um, issues that people have is they don't have any idea what they want. You know, and, and like they don't, they have absolutely, that's probably the question that I ask people that gets the most stressed response. What do you want? What do you want for yourself? What do you, what's your vision? What's your vision for your body? What's your vision for your business? What's your vision for your life? People freak out with that question. They, and because, you know, I, I won't rain on the school system for too long here right now, but like no one teaches you in school how to build that. No, right. no one anywhere teaches you how to build vision. And, and so I think that that's one of like, one of the things that, um, you know, I, I often say is that the decisions are made in the vision and mm-hmm. that, that makes like, so, you know, during the COVID year or the first COVID year, yeah. <laughs> back and back and back and back. Oh, yeah. um, but um, I was prepping for my return to stage. Like I hadn't mm-hmm. been on stage in 10 years. I was slated to step on stage in April. I was, I was peaked and ready to go like four weeks out cruising into this show, ready to go dominate. And then, everything got canceled. Right. And so that all got canceled. And then my coach and I pushed us to the next show and, um, and then that got canceled. And I had been like in prep now for like, I don't know, like five months and anybody who knows anything. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You can't like, you could sustain a prep if you're at a higher body fat, but I was like, I was shredded. Right. (laughs) So, um, I had a call with my coach one day and I was like, this show got canceled. Um, and I, and he was, I was like, let me ask you a question. Like, you know, what, what would you, what do you want me to do? Like, I didn't make the decision. And, and he said to me, he goes, well, if it was up to me, I'd pull you out right now and we'd start reversing. And I go, well, it is up to you because you're in charge. Mm-hmm. So just like that, I was prepping and then uh, hit the brakes and reversed out into a growing season. But during that phase, you know, I talked so much about the fact that it was such an easy place for me to be, to trust my coach's decision Mm -hmm. and to step into it because my decisions are made in my vision. That's how they're made. My vision is to get on stage and win a world championship one day. So I don't get to pick and choose what that looks like. Like even right now, you know, I want, I am so excited to get back on stage. I, if, if I didn't have this vision of like winning the world, the world crown, I would be on stage in April, but my coach is like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. He's like, you don't get on stage with the same body. You have to grow. Right. So like, I'm not, I'm not making the decisions. Mm -hmm. The vision vision is, and then you got to find someone who you can trust to work with the vision. Right. But this is the the biggest deficit I see in people. People do not know what they want. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to create it. And therefore they're flailing around, jumping from one thing to the next because they can't just lock themselves down on this is what I want to be creating right now. Right. Well, I think it probably kind of comes very uh, very similar with the times too, because everything now, information is so readily handily at any time, but it's like the time of misinformation. So, I mean, ask and asking that question, like what's your vision for life? Like Mm -hmm. if you have that answer at the top of your head, I would probably call bullshit on that because that's like a, you know, unless you've done some deep work on that for a bit, but it's, it's kind of a scary space to go into if you've never been there before. Right. It really is. And, and I also think that, um, 
you know, if you had asked me, I mean, I could tell you right now, the, the story that goes behind that one is, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, 12 years ago, however long Brian and I've been together now. Um, I remember one night we were sitting in our kitchen and I was up on the counter and I was, I was kind of bored with my, my, my current work that I was doing. I was personal training in the youth fitness um, area, but it was just like, not like getting, getting me electric anymore, you know? And, and I remember he, he looked at me and he asked me, he's like, well, what do you want? And like, I burst into tears. Like I started sobbing because I had no idea what I wanted. No idea. Cause I'd spent so much of my life just doing what I thought I was supposed to do that when somebody asked me, what do I want? I was just like, and on top of it, I was a people pleaser. So very much referred to other people. I had no idea. The only thing I could muster up was that I wanted to be more creative again, because I'm very much an artist in a lot of different ways. Um, but, you know, so I've had that moment myself and, and it's always been, it was always part of a challenge for me to actually crystallize my, my complete vision. But one of the things I think that number one, people don't know how to do it. Um, number two, you can't build a real solid vision if you don't know yourself, because if you're building a, a vision off of scarcity, you're not actually building a vision, you're building fear. Right. So like, let's just say you have a, a scarcity, you, you know, you're financially, you have a scarcity mindset and you're afraid of not having enough money. So you're going to build um, a million dollar business. Right. You're not building vision. You're building fear. You're, you're avoiding the fear that 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 underlying story is and you're creating from a place of scarcity. So in order to really create true vision, you got to know yourself. You got to know why you're creating it, what you're creating. And, and then the other thing that I, I love putting in here is that I think people are afraid to create visions because they somehow believe that it's permanent, right? Like that you don't, you can't change it. Like my two of my favorite words are right now. Right now, my vision is to win the championship title in the WBFF. But you know what? The wind could blow and right. year, that could totally change. I don't know. I, I don't try to answer those questions. I just, I know mm. where my due north is right now. And, and, I, and I think that people spend so much time in their lives trying to create fixed states mm -hmm. in a dynamic world. And it just doesn't work that way. Everything is going to move all the time. Yeah. You think it has something to do like if you if you think like you need a concrete vision down and like people sometimes shy away from this is because you have if you're if you say I want to do XYZ and the goal it means you have to tell yourself and actually be okay with you're not at that moment right now. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, I think that and you actually said something I I won't remember what you said exactly but it it spawned my thought on this at the beginning of this of the interview that um people, people just don't deal well with emotional pain and insecurity mm -hmm. and lack of confidence and being able to accept that they're not there now. Right. If you were, if you were there now, what would be the point? Right. You know, and it, it's actually really funny because I, I actually just posted about this this morning on Instagram. Um, and I, I, for the life of me, can't remember where the thought process came from, but you know, I, I was making the comment that like, you know, that it's okay not to like things about yourself. It, you know, you cannot like something, but that doesn't mean that you don't love yourself. It's okay right. to not like your financial state right now, but that doesn't mean that you're, you're a loser who can't make money. Like mm -hmm. we do these things as human beings where we add suffering to the pain, 
right? The pain point is I'm financially struggling. Mm -hmm. The suffering is adding, I'm a loser. I'm never going to be able to make it fear, Mm -hmm. right? So if, if we could just learn how to be okay with being imperfect and where we're at, you're going to get to where you want to be so much better because that's where self-sabotage kicks in, right? Well, now I'm a loser. I can't make money. I can't do this. So whoever wants to get behind a computer and try to do something effectively when you feel like that, right? Like if we can learn how, like, and I made the point that like, you know, I'm in my off season right now and I'm 20 pounds heavier than on stage. And I, the point that I was making was that like, you know, I don't like my off season body as much as I like my cut body, but that doesn't mean I don't love my body and that I don't think it's beautiful and strong and powerful. That does not mean I'm self-loathing. That does not mean I'm crying myself to sleep at night. And, and somewhere people started, you know, looking at dissatisfaction and not liking things as somehow equating to their self-worth, you know, and those two do not belong together. They don't, they don't have to go together. Actually, they don't have to go together at all. Right. It is. It's interesting because it's funny. Like my coach is listening to this. One of them, I just had this thought with him because I'm in a growing phase right now too. And the abs start to slowly go away and stuff. And you're like, oh shit, what the heck's going on? But it's like, no, you gotta be, I know you gotta be okay with that. So when you, when you mentioned like, I mean, with going into this vision, if someone's like, I want to create this vision, I want to make these changes. I know it's going to take some time to do it. Is there daily practices that you do to kind of keep yourself in this mindset of knowing? A hundred percent. So that's where the four pillars of mindset come in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I swear by them. Um, that's our daily journaling process that we teach. Um, it's those like learn your language, count your wins, review your direction, imagine your outcome. Um, it, it, I have been practicing it for the last eight years since we we incepted it. Um, I practice it religiously um, every day of the week. Uh, it's what I teach as a foundational thing to all my clients. And the so basically, if I were to give kind of like the framework, because I, I want people to be able to walk away and do something with this. Um, so basically, you know, the first thing I do is I have everybody that I'm working with pick their direction and their focus. So let's just say for me, um, I'm going to go with right now my my current um, focus in my fitness and, and we create these things called inspiration statements. So it's kind of like it's not a goal because like a goal would be like win my crown in 2022, right? Or lose 50 pounds. The problem with that is if you reflect on losing 50 pounds every day, most people's mindsets, know what I said? Most, not all, most people's mindsets are not resilient enough to not become preoccupied with losing that weight. And then they're going to start to, to, to go internal and beat them. Like they get on the scale and it's weight, it's not dropping. Right. So I, I, we, we step away from metrics and we step into feeling and connection to why we're doing something. So an inspiration statement is for a lack of better words, a sentence that speaks to the overarching creation of what you're trying to create for yourself right so my current inspiration and i change mine every quarter and with my clients i do as well i adapt them every quarter but my current inspiration statement in my fitness goals um in my fitness goals um are um crowning myself in simplicity and consistency now if anybody out there heard that they would have think that has nothing to do with fitness whatsoever but crown is a direct correlation to what happens when I win my first pro show. I get a crown, a pretty little crown. Um, and then simplicity and consistency is where I'm at right now. 
Because right now I'm coming off of being sick. I'm coming off of the holidays. I just need to be super simple and consistent. So that's my, 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 my kind of like my inspiration statement that buffers my journaling. Right. And then I learned my language on that. So I learned my language on my fitness by asking myself, what am I thinking, feeling, doing, or feeling in my body that's not serving me? What's that negative language? So like, you know, perfect example, you were talking about your abs going away. Like, you know, like, are you, am I walking around like calling myself a fat ass, right? That would be negative language, for example. So you unpack the negative language, what's challenging you. And then the other three inspiration statements are about creating my momentum and my direction. So after language, I would do my direction review, which is where I talk about where I'm going and what I'm creating for myself. And then I finalize it by asking myself, what matters most to me today? And I create my intentions for the day. Every single, I do this every single day. Um, at the end of the day, I count my wins. So basically, how did I win the day? What did I do today that helped me win the day? And I count every, everybody who's listening, count the small wins. It's not the, it's not, I lost 10 pounds. It's, I drank my water. I went for my walk. I had, you know, more whole foods than processed foods. Those are the wins. Um, and then imagining your outcome is really, that's more of um, an activity that's done in your mind's eye. Like it's an imagination of what you're creating. So my imagination is always around being on stage next. Like that's always where I go. So I have this whole like movie real kind of imagination in my head about imagining the next time I step on stage. Mm -hmm. And I do those every single day, every single day. Like I, there, there is not, I mean, sometimes, you know, life happens but I do some sort of a variation of those every single day. Um, and that is without question, like I, I cannot, I, I, I know it's my process and my system, but honestly, it's, sa it's literally saved lives. Like I'm talking, it's brought people back from the brink of suicide. It has saved lives, it's created lives, it's changed lives because it's really catering to what is driving your actions, which is your thoughts. Yeah. And then you just get to live intentionally afterwards. Yeah. You know, it's funny when I talked with Brian first and I started counting my wins afterwards and in a matter of days, you feel the difference. And it was one of the most exciting pieces of the day. I like look forward to it at the night, yeah. but I was, I was laughing. Cause I think I sent him a message. Like I actually wrote down, I'm sitting here counting my wins for the day. Oh, as I love it. It's always a win. That's what I always tell people. <laughs> like, I don't have any wins today. And I'm like, are you counting your wins? It's a win. Yeah. If you're doing it, it's a win. You know, you can always, there, you can always find wins. Mm -hmm. there's, there's nobody on the planet who can't find a win. And if they can't find them, I'll go find them for them. Like that's mm -hmm. how, that's how I work with my clients. They're like, oh, I don't have any wins today. And I'm like, yeah, you do. And then I can ramble them off a list of like 50 things. And they're like, okay, you win. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That's all. So, and that really, what I saw from that, just from a anecdotal perspective is that I started even going around the day, like I would see something and I would say in my head all of a sudden, like, oh, that's a win. That's a win. Like, yeah. yeah. And it does, it, ch it changes it. And I think especially a lot of people now I know too, because with this whole time frame that we're in, went from seeing a lot of people. Now, a lot of people are working remotely. They're training remotely. They're a lot more in solitude. So we have a lot more time with our thoughts mm -hmm. than we think. And we have, you know, 90,000 thoughts a day going on here. All those little ones that go in, you don't think that they're that big, but if you start mm -hmm. changing those over a little bit at a time, 100%. that adds up into some incredible things, right? Yeah, really does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, 
Carrie, this has been amazing. It's been a blast chatting with you. So I, I, I could talk about this stuff all day long. <laughs> oh no, absolutely. I feel like you know we're just, like we're just diving into it. So I'm gonna have to have you back, and we'll get into sure, some even more sure. of the weights absolutely. and you know, stuff. Would love yeah. to. Now, again, I appreciate um, your time. Anybody listening, uh, you know, Carrie and Brian, both their work with Eliminate Their Limits, um, please go check them out. They do amazing stuff. And it's all about just this daily practice, just building it a day at a time, right? Simply and consistently, exactly. Yes. So if people don't follow you yet, they want to check out more of your stuff, what's the best place that we can direct them? Yeah, I would say, I mean, you know, Facebook is always a great place. I'm actually like looking at my own Instagram right now because I don't know my own Instagram handle. Um, um, but pr- the place that I am the most is on Instagram. And that would be uh, Carrie underscore Campbell WBFF Pro. And that's uh, that's where I am most often um, sharing and, and doing stuff. So, but there are Facebook and I'm, I, I return all my messages. So I'm, one of, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I don't return messages. <laughs> I return all my messages. I connect with yeah. everybody who connects with me. Awesome. Okay. And last question too. When are the worlds? When are you stepping on stage? Worlds are in August in Vegas. And I'm pretty sure I'm, well, I'm definitely stepping on stage at worlds. My coach kind of tipped his hat that he might have a pre-show for me, but I think he's just teasing me. So (laughs) August in Vegas is where I'm going to step on stage next. I'm very excited about it. All right. Well, you're going to crush it. So keep doing you. So uh, Carrie, thank you again so much for your time. Um, Listeners, thank you so much for connecting. If you want to connect more with Carrie, you know where to do so. And I will catch you guys on the next one. Peace. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you came away with great stories and insights that you can use to create more strength and success in your life. Remember now, for a time, you can grab a free copy of the One Day Strength Challenge, the playbook that incorporates proven strength aerobics training along with the skill of intuition to help you create, design, and achieve your perfect training plan that fits around your busy schedule. Just go to www.thebreakthroughsecrets.com and grab your free copy today. It's your life. Make it the strongest possible. Catch you guys later.